0: What I'd like to do now is kick off our series called The God Experience, and uh, this is one of our two impact series that we'll do each year, uh, probably first term, third term um, of the year, and what we want to do is just really galvanise us uh, in, a, in a, 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 normally a high challenge environment that helps us take new steps. This one is not so much high challenge, although I think it will be challenging, it's more, much more pastoral. I really want to equip uh, God's people to, to build you up, to explain some life principles, restore some broken paths. Because many of us have come here dealing with uh, trauma from life, trauma from church. Can I say that as a pastor? I'm probably the best one to say that. Church can mess you up because we get it really wrong sometimes. It's not, it's not all easy all the time. And so we need to be, we need to have faith restored sometimes. We need to have faith in church restored, faith in God's calling because somewhere... We seem to turn right and maybe God turn left. And so this this is all about how do we reconcile that? How do we walk, recognise and cooperate with God's calling on our life? And so we do have a retreat. And if you know our church well, we've, we've sort of started with a really firm foundation of our development courses, Reform, Refresh, Refocus, that run twice a year at the same sorts of times. And they are even higher impact again, obviously. But they have a retreat in the middle. And so um, what I'd like to do is is invite, if if God's really starting to work in you through um, this series, that we'll make available uh, a a weekend-only admission where you can come along and receive prayer, lots of prayer and ministry, but that's not necessarily attached to to the courses. But it would be better if you'd already done those courses before you come, but we'll talk into that in weeks to come. So as a framing thought for this series... And we're going to look at the life of uh, Moses, particularly today, as he came face up against a tree that was on fire that spoke back. Just a framing thought for us when it comes to the value of life, your life, and the value of it, the calling that God has on your life. Because our culture is very individualistic. And so we love and we resonate with the idea that I have a calling And as a pastor, sometimes we say, well, you don't have a calling. It's God's calling on you and and we are all called together and, and sort of you are special, you are unique, but so we all are. And it's, you know, let's get over ourselves a little bit, you know. And yet the reality is very clear in Scripture that you have a unique calling. God created you for good works. Ephesians 2, verse 8 and 10, it talks about we're saved by faith for these works that we're predestined He's he's got them in mind before you do them. I don't understand that. Somehow that works through the whole process of me making my own decisions and people doing dumb things that seem to get me off course or I I do it. But if if you consider some of the characters from Scripture, which we're going to go through in a fair bit of depth in the next few weeks, if you look at the Apostle Paul, if he had never been knocked off his high horse and found his soul deconstructed and dismantled to the point where all he could do was lie in a dark corner blind until God came and revealed things to him. If he hadn't have gone through that pain and the 14 years following that pain, before God let him back into any sort of ministry, 14 years in the wilderness, if he hadn't have gone through that, we would have today, 2,000 years later, a very limited idea of theology. Can you imagine how off track we would have gone as churches? No model of mission. There would have been no reformation. There would have been no ability to read those Scriptures and, and, and apply them to our life. The world would be a completely different place if he hadn't gone through what would have felt unbelievably painful, completely disconcerting. Think about Abraham. 24 years between an idea that God gave him and he thought this voice that he heard was just one of the many gods that he'd he accepted existed and took him that long to realise there's only one that really matters and, and is real. And he had to place faith in that. If he hadn't gone through that horrible, horrible, disconcerting, confusing, messy, mucked up journey of that, there would be no Hebrew Christian story which is based in a life of faith when it makes no sense. What about David? We only know him as King David. He was happy in a field fighting the odd bear and and skinning a lion with his bare hands. He was happy doing that, God bless his soul. But if he hadn't been through that sort of soul bragging experience, for him another 14 years, that number seems to come up a fair bit. Israel would never have risen to become the global force that it was, the premium military force in its day. And Israel would not have been recognised and had the status among nations that their, their story of God and the kingdom would have had such significance. It would never have happened. And you, if you had not grown, if you ceased to grow, if somehow this story of you embedded in the story of God doesn't unfold and so much of it does still rely on our ability to cooperate, the world will not become what it needs to be. And if you hadn't been through all that terrible stuff that you've probably experienced, the world and you will not be what it needs to be. Generations will lack impact. Your wisdom that you've found will not be ventilated out. Stories won't happen. Support won't happen. So it really matters. It really matters. And so we're starting the year off with this tone, your calling actually really, and so I'm going to allow you to indulge through this period before God and consider your unique calling. Understanding that the culture here is that your calling only makes sense in the the greater calling of all of us together, because Paul says, together you are God's temple. But the fact is, our developing calling often feels stuck. All of us will experience stuckness, all of us will be stalled, all of us will be sidetracked. But I wonder if you've ever walked away from church like a service today and feel challenged but unable to change. You notice weeks go by and you just, you default back to the default. I wonder if you've ever had a sense that your spiritual life is is sort of flatlined. And you'll know because you don't think about it anymore. You just go, I'm just going on as I've always gone on. My story evolves and, and my life keeps upgrading, but my spiritual walk, I'm not even aware of it. That's a sign that your spiritual walk has flatlined. And you may even come to the conclusion, well, there's no good reason to grow. Why would this be a a a valid value at all? Why keep on trying? Why deal with my stuff? And you're not aware that it's actually expected in a fully normal part of Christian life that we're supposed to be growing in our capacity as God's people within his calling. It's supposed to be growing. The the, the pragmatics are that as Christians get older and older, they seem to actually grow less and less in the absence of a high-challenge environment, which is really what our church is. So there is a reason our life gets stuck, and there's one big reason why our life gets stuck. And I don't know whether you figured it out, I gave a bit of a teaser on uh, social media yesterday like 18 times because I couldn't figure out social media, I just keep hitting buttons and... It didn't go viral. That was just me republishing the same post. (laughs) I deleted most of them in the end, but it took me two hours. Anyway, just sharing some pain with you. But the fact of the the message is there is a reason why our life gets stuck. And I want to give you a spoiler for the whole series. The next steps on your path of calling, the next steps in your Christian life require one thing. And that one thing is the next steps in your experience of God. The next step in your life requires the next step of your experience of God. Notice I didn't say your knowledge of God. It's your experience of God. It's knowledge in a true biblical sense. Now, the good news is not many of us are as stalled as we think we are. We think, well, I've flatlined or I haven't done anything new. But in in the background, it's all been going on. And we're growing uh, without awareness because the Lord has a way of of using life to grow us and and stretch our tent pegs, as as the language is saying. And in Christian life, there are seasons of uh, covertness, imperceptible movement, trajectory over time. We take these small steps. And there's also the more overt moments where we break through. And so we're going to talk about movements and moments uh, of obvious change. The seasons where it doesn't seem to move much, but we are, and the moments where we break through into into these huge changes. But at some point, all of us will hit what today we're going to frame as the wall. The wall. Moses uh, hit a wall. Big time! This wall spoke back, and so I want to really go there with that. And so this this uh, series, the God experience, we want to equip you in recognizing and cooperating with those, these ways of God in your life, and we want to go through seven realities that accompany a, a healthy walk with God in a way that uh, cooperates and facilitates His calling in our life. And I want to help you get unstuck. And so. Um, To add to that, the Sunday messages, we'll have a follow-up email come through to everyone on our email list. If you're not receiving our emails, please um, put in a card today or go to the website. There should be a link there somewhere Um, or just send an email to me and I'll put you on the list um, to receive a morning devotion which will apply a bit more and give you some reflection on what we talk about today. There's also gonna be small group material and I wanted to create an environment where it's easy for you to get into a small group and work through the material together if you're not already in one. And so we'll lay that pathway out for you as well. So let's have a look at Moses, poor old Moses. He's become an icon. He is like the guy, the the bearded, staff-wielding, Charlton Heston, uh, Waters part man. But let's let's, let's take him out of Hollywood for a moment. Let's take him out of the iconic paintings that we've seen from from, uh, the Renaissance and so on and, and emphasise for a moment because he was a man uh, just like, as a human being, just like we are. He was actually 80 years old when confronted by his wall. I think that he'd had the wall for some time before that, but he was 80 years old. So just picture that. I'm getting pretty cranky at 59. I don't know what I'm going to be like at 80, you know, about, hang on, you're calling me to do what? What? You know, he's 80 years old. He's got to have a bit of attitude. He's, he, he's been 80... 40 years in the wilderness, he's given God a good go and the whole calling idea, he's he's had his go and it it fell flat so he did a runner out to the desert, now all he's been interested in is his own sustenance and so on and so now he comes to this point in Exodus 3 and 4 where he's, he's got to come to grips with this psychological and spiritual wall that he's come across that he's never really been able to break through. And if he's got any sort of attitude like me, he's gonna instantly sense, I'm too old for this conversation. Like, really? Are we going there now? We couldn't have done it. Like, now, today, I've got sheep to herd, I've got things to do, I've got a wife and a father-in-law and all this sort of stuff. I'm sure he carried disappointments from his life with God. Can I say that? You've probably got disappointments in God. You're probably carrying them unless you're 14 years old and you haven't done much of the experience of the tough Christian life. Sometimes we sense, I'm saying this, we're disappointed with, God hasn't disappointed us. He can't. He can't not be perfect, just like He can't not be first in our life. He's preeminent. But our perception can be, God, you've disappointed me. And we've had a dream. And we thought it was a God dream. And we, and we were convinced and probably rightly so that he led us to go along with that dream, just like Moses did, but it's long since been shattered. And for some of us, it's gone so long, we think that dream was a mistake. God got it wrong, I got it wrong, whatever. But we've been managing that disappointment for a long time or we're carrying doubts because of what's happened to us. We've tried many times, uh, like Moses ended up in decades of fruitless exile. And he would be aware obviously of genuine limitations and you see the dialogue that comes out in Exodus 3 and 4, all that's on his mind now is, here are the reasons why I can't now. We should have had the chat 40 years ago, God. I wonder if God might have been tempted to say, yeah, we should have. Where were you? Well, I was disappointed. I was running. You know, I killed a guy and they were going to kill me. But God's call was never based on what Moses brought to the table. And this was the lesson that he had to learn. It was fascinating because God seemed to take such great care for the first 40 years to equip him in a certain way and then it's almost like, well, I brought that to the table and it just ended up as a train wreck. Someone got killed, I was going to be killed as well, so I had to do a runner. It didn't work. All that that 40 years that God invested didn't seem to work. And so now he's aware, not of what he brought to the table, now he's aware of all the limitations of his skills and, and so on. But God's call was never based on that. All God required of him, just as he requires of you, is not your resume, not your skill set. He just wants you to say yes. Just keep saying yes. Not yes, but what about? Just yes. And so Moses comes to this iconic burning bush moment, which we've probably all read quite a few times, and he's wandering in the desert and he sees a bush on fire. Um, some uh, commentators say that wasn't that unusual. I, I can't imagine how it's not unusual. Uh, there's, a, there's a bush just burning in the middle of the desert, and it's, and it's not going anywhere you know and so we pick it up in Exodus 3 with it, where Moses begins to engage with God who's speaking from the fire and the Lord just goes straight back to the icon of Moses life the reason why he got out the reason that motivated him to try and cash himself into the game was his heart for his people and God says I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt I've heard them crying out because of their slave drivers and I'm concerned about their suffering. So it's been forty years. It must be reflecting in Moses' mind, and maybe in yours too. It's been X amount of years since I was a player in that game. I'm, I'm, I've cashed my chips in. I'm, I'm out of that game now. I gave it my best shot. It was a bust. I, I'm out. And yet, with Moses, I'm sure the inner discontent was still itching away. And I remember. So much of this is, is paralleled in my own life, where in my early 20s I sensed a call to ministry and, and then all the doors closed or I blew it or did all sorts of silly things. And 20 years later on, God's raising the subject again, you know. And I knew that the, that the calling and the desire and the heart for church had never gone away. I just found myself distracted with playing the game of life and having a few wins and getting addicted to that and starting companies and doing all that kind of stuff. But it had never gone away and it was something I'd gotten used to padding down and Moses must have done the same thing. But the irritation, that itch was put there by God himself, so you'll never get rid of it. It's what, what do I do with it? It just means you're never ever gonna be satisfied with worldly ambition or success. You have gotta deal with the itch. There's a holy con- discontent there and God raises it back up to say, I have that burden too, that itch you've got, I've got that itch too and I'm not gonna let it go unsatisfied. This thing that matters to you, it matters to me as well and it matters to the history of the world and we're gonna go there right now. So if God highlights a problem to you in life, in the world, in church, it's not so you'll send an email moaning about it. Not the only one here ever does that. Actually, truly, you don't. <laughs> It's not so you can complain about what's wrong with the world. He's, he's, he's itching you because you're the answer. He wants to use you. And we keep saying, why doesn't someone fix this? Well, yeah, someone is you. He's calling you and the calling has never changed. It's irrevocable, Paul says. God can't put a calling on your life and change his mind. Oh, I got that wrong. No, he made you for it. And there are parts of you that haven't been made enough. And so it's a journey. It's a developing call. It's a formational call. The desire starts early and the desire never changes, but we change to accommodate it. Why doesn't it happen straight away? Because we haven't got the spiritual muscles of character and faith that will get the job done with him. So he spends a lifetime developing them. But while he's doing that, we often lose a sense of the calling. So in verse 10, he says, So now go, I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people... Why are you sending me now? I was in the court years ago. Why are you sending me to him now? But I just love the fact that God has this imminence about time. He says, so because of that, now go. And Moses must've just gone, now, now, I'm 80. See the wrinkles, see the flappy bits? It's, it's, it's not gonna work. When I hold the staff up, they're all gonna look at that, not at, not at what really matters. God, I'm too old. And what's more, to be honest, I don't wanna do this anymore. I like sheep. They're kind of nice. They don't talk back, you know. But I've lost my opportunity for ministry. It's gone. I've blown my attempt at family or whatever your sense of what God's calling you to do. I've I've lost that chance and I'm not even motivated anymore. In fact, the idea horrifies me because it was so traumatic. I just don't want to go there anymore. It busted me up. It broke me. I hurt people. People hurt me. I mean, welcome to the short argument I had with God at the age of 40 years old about why I was never going to go into ministry. In the end, it is always a bit of a short argument if you want to engage in it, because he will have his way. So now, 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 go. Now is now for us. But Moses' sort of heavily calloused insecurities and sense of inadequacy start to shine through. And God gives him the whole brief. Here's what I want you to do, Moses. He goes, well, hang on, just, just to go back to what I was trying to say before, God. Who am I? They don't even know me. It's a new Pharaoh now. I don't have the cred anymore. They don't know the history. They don't know what I was born to do. What if they don't cooperate? And this is normally what begins to echo in our head. And God's response was the big thing. You know, remember I talked about, what's the one thing that holds us back? This is the one thing that fixes it. I will be with you, Moses. It's not about. I will be with you. I will do the ministry. I just need you to say yes And please stop complaining because I'm going to get cranky in a minute. (laughs) You know, it's like, Moses, just say yes, just go. And so Moses found himself at a wall and God just happened to put a tree in front of it that he couldn't avoid. And we might think that there is a wall before us and there always will be because you've never been able to get through it. And in the end, you get tired of beating your head up against it. But I want to use this, um, uh, an illustration I've used before here um, a couple of years ago now by a guy called J.O. Hagberg. It's called The Critical Journey, and he talks about this this wall, and he's got a a huge amount of research behind it. And he's talking about the seasonal and cyclical, if you can like a a, a slinky, uh, this spiral journey that is the journey of of human growth and development. It's not linear. Um, You know, the graph doesn't always go to to the right and up. It's cyclical. We go through seasons, and as we go through the seasons, we come back to a slightly higher place. And so he talks about this, and I'm going to map it out slide by slide on there if you can keep up with me up there, Andre. The first section of this is awareness. He shows us we become aware. Um, that God is real, God is calling us. There's a sense of what matters. I need to engage in something new. Uh, like it to when you first uh, gave your, your heart to Christ and you go, oh, it's all changed. I'm aware there's a God now. I don't know the rules of this church thing or Christian life, but I'm just aware where I wasn't aware before. It's part of the spiritual journey. And even unbelievers come on this journey as part of God's way of bringing them into the fold. He increases through the Spirit their awareness of eternity and, and consequence of sin and so on. It's God's job to do. And then we go from awareness into this whole other stage of growth where we accept the reality of what we're aware of and I begin to learn the ropes of life. I say, okay, here's what I need to do. Here's how I do this. Here's the, here's the course I need to go through and, and all that kind of thing. And, and I just, I'm happy to learn that. The next phase is contribution, where I've learnt the ropes. I've, I've, so let's, let's talk about the new Christian. I've, I've come to Christ. I've learnt the rules. I know how to pray and read the Bible now. Now it's time to play my part and I get engaged and, and I, I do the Christian thing. I'm faithful. I, I put my hand up and so on. And then we go on like this. And this is how you build a church uh, or not so much a church. This is how you build an organisation in the Christian world. You just give people enough people something to do, give them the right information and just let them go. And this is how you you have a big front door and a back door that's the same size. Because what happens is we all at one point hit a wall that I'm talking about and we get dissatisfied with with life, we get dissatisfied with working so hard and, and, and the frustration and we go, this isn't working for me anymore, I'm out. Either either physically or financially or emotionally, we disengage. And so this next phase we hit is the wall. And his whole thesis is based on what we do at the wall. It's a time where we recognise, I've hit my limit. I can't do this with you people anymore. It's, It's too hard. Christians are supposed to play nice, but sometimes stuff happens. And it's a season, not a moment. We think this is just a moment in time, but this is a season where we can stay there. And I'm sure Moses did for quite some years, where we just sit there and we hover around that wall. Sometimes it feels like uh, going around the mountain again and again and again. But essentially, we're talking about the same thing. I've just hit my wall. But at some point when you get past that season, you enter in the next moment, which is surrender, where you recognise it's not about me anymore. It's actually about this God who is with me, but I can only engage in that sense, through surrender. There's an active thing where I'm relying, I'm surrendered. I've gotten over myself My own agenda, and I've just got to lay it down. And the next step is only going to be with Him because I don't have what it takes. I've recognized that. That leads you to the next phase, which is paradox, which is a bizarre moment. You think, How does that work? I've just found peace. Now I'm living in paradox. But the paradox is built on the peace that you found through surrender, because the paradox realizes, Oh, to gain my life, I have to lose it. That in the middle of trouble, I can still find joy that I can have faith, as we saw last week, right in the middle of injustice. This is the life of paradox and it can only, only come on the foundation of what's gone before. Then finally, we get this marvellous space he's called love. But what he's talking about there is the overflow of what's gone before. It's, it's our saying here is, we fill your heart to fuel your mission. This is what it's talking about. There's such an abundance, the overflow of what I've now become is expressed through love for, for people, for the planet, for uh, society. It's an overflow. It's not an obligation now. It's not about hitting the wall. I can't do anymore. Now I can't help it. Uh, I'm doing easily what used to be I couldn't fulfill through obligation. And so then we keep going round and round. And so as we do that, we grow in our capacity and our calling develops as well. So I'll just leave, leave that up there as I go through and you can sort of dwell for a moment on where you may be in your life on that journey. And because perhaps you recognize those moments in your own experience. But did you notice what makes a difference when you hit the wall? It's what happened to Moses. It's what God said and what he, what he says to all of us is I will be with you. The most uh, repeated promise in scripture, I'm with you. It's okay, I will be with you. And because I'm with you, only because I'm with you, can you have faith, can you have peace, can you fulfill your calling? And so the reason we get stuck, the one reason why God's people get stuck is that we try to do it, we try to fulfill it in with what we have. We try to fulfill God's. God's will with man's strength and that's always going to bring us to the wall and so every phase of growth in your life is going to require you to grapple with that wall and confront the fact I need to find God in a new experience of him that gives me the capacity to keep going around and this is where Christian life has no lesson whatsoever to learn from the world, this is uniquely Christian stuff, you won't get it in a self-help book The next steps of your calling require an experience of God. And this will will irritate you. It it irritates me. But I think, oh, look, since I first hit my wall, I've read a lot of books since then. I've got a lot of experience and knowledge and I've got a, a whole heap of other stuff. But what you know doesn't matter at the wall. Education, skills, experience, they don't rate on the CV. It doesn't matter who you know. In networks, the references, uh, the culture that you find yourself in, your family of origin, whatever it is, it doesn't matter. It didn't matter to Moses, the upbringing that he had at that point. Your opportunities in life won't matter. Sometimes you think, if I just had an open door, if I just had a break, my next steps can come. We keep waiting for a door to open in our life. It's not going to matter. The door can be wide open before you and you won't be able to walk through until you grapple with this thing. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter your personality type. It doesn't matter your core values. It doesn't matter what your age is. It doesn't matter who you are. The only thing that matters is who God is. It doesn't matter. Time isn't a factor. We think, if I just wait on the Lord long enough and refuse to deal with my stuff because I'm going round and round in circles, if if time will be the factor, eventually the door will open for me. No, it won't. You can be a Christian 50 years and be as stupid as a piece of wood. You really can. You can not learn a thing. How many people do we know Who've been around a while and they're still as dumb as a rock. You know, it's just like, man, are you ever going to get it, man? I, I know this. I guess I'm preaching at you, but I'm talking about me. Man, there's lessons I should have learned decades ago. The other thing that I don't like is that determination won't get me through either. Most of us are dogged. Let's just push through. You can't push that hard. You can't push through God because God made the wall and He wants you to go nowhere until you've sorted this out and you can go with Him because it's only His strength that's going to do it because it's He who has to get the glory in this whole thing. So none of that will get you through the wall of God's calling into life. Moses had all of that. He had all of it and it didn't factor in. Taking the next steps is all about a next step in your experience with God. And so God invited Moses to a relational mission. He wasn't being told, go and report back when you've done all that I've told you to do. He was saying, no, go, and I'm going with you. So it's a, it's a partnership now. It's like a three-legged race. You're strapped literally to God in that way. I will be with you. It's about an experience. I remember years ago, as, uh, to illustrate this, um, many years ago, when I was a Sydney boy and um, I'd heard about Queensland. I'd heard about Queenslanders, quite scary. Seen them on State of Origin. I uh, got very excited about being Maroon. Uh, Worshipped cockroaches, uh, sorry, cane toads. Um, but I, my sister lived in a place you may have heard of called Marmar Creek. Has anyone heard of this place? Four of us have heard of Marmar Creek. It's only about fifty kilometres away. It's in the Lockyer Valley. What a, what a ridiculous name! Who who calls a place Marmar? It sounds like Beverly Hillbillies. Anyway, she she had a a, a property there where she was breeding uh, racehorses and doing this stuff. And and she said, "Come on up." And so. Trish and I, uh, I think I was married then, we, we, um, we said, let's go to Marmar Creek. You know, And the directions that she gave, because um, if you've ever been out there, this is before, long before GPS, were you get to a tree and the tree, you get to the big tree and turn left and then you'll see a rock in a little while and you turn right there. And, and it was like, write this down, what could go wrong? And so we, we ended up, we found this place. And I remember then she took me out that afternoon to go buy some milk or something. And suddenly I didn't need that silly list of stuff because now she knew where to go and and we could find our way to anywhere and we didn't need to follow uh, a a map anymore because she was my map. She became my map. Suddenly, oh, we'll go this way this time because the context is different. And we're going down back roads and lanes and suddenly we're where we need to be. But the point there is that she was my map. We keep asking God, for the map in life. Where's this going? Where do I end up? Tell me, left or right? The point of the wall is that he is the map. He is the guide. We're not supposed to take the journey without him. And once I took the journey with my sister, suddenly it was a non-issue about guidance. I just knew that we would get there. And so God shows us a way as we're on the way and as long as we're with him, it'll become a very lonely place if we try and do it without him. But I can hear what's going on in so many minds because I talk to you all the time. I once thought I did hear God's guidance. I did that. And I'm in a lot of pain because of that. Because it went wrong. It all turned south. How can I trust God again? Last time I did that, and I've tried a few times now, it's gone very badly. Well, I've got to say, one of the hardest pastoral conversations I have to have uh, now and again is about this issue and really come to... Because we either blame ourselves or we blame God, but we feel obliged to blame someone. And the first thing we need to say is God did not get it wrong. It's it's, with respect, it's not God's fault if if things went pear-shaped. Sometimes God's given us permission to go. He's given us direction for a a, a calling or a job or a relationship. But someone somewhere in there, something imperfect has happened, And it's gone off track. That happens sometimes. Even if it was God's calling to be involved that way, sometimes we turn left and God's turned right. Sometimes, to be honest, it wasn't actually God that we heard. I really don't like saying that. But there are times where we are convinced it's God's calling in our life because we get a sense or, we, or whatever. But often there's, a, there's such a soul aspect around it where we're, we're tuned in to hear some things, but we're tuned out to not hear others. And we've got to own the responsibility of the fullness of understanding how guidance works and how God works and the humility that that process requires. Sometimes we heard well, we heard the right thing, but we applied it too soon. Uh, or we applied it the wrong way. We try to go about, as Moses did, God's will, man's way. There's all sorts of reasons, and it requires an element of humility for us to, to go there and say, well, whatever that was, that was. I'm not going to let that rob me of the reality of God's calling on my life. And so part of this whole experience of, of uh, in upgrading our God experience is to hear Him better. If you look at the biblical stories, they knew it was God. There was no question for them. They knew it was God. They knew what He was saying and they knew what they had to do in response. There was no question there for them. So we've got to be happy that we're going to get to that point eventually or close to it. But that knowing was not merely knowledge. And throughout this series, we're going to talk about seven realities to that experience of God. And these aren't necessarily sequential like that that illustration. Sometimes they are. But it's a bit, picture it like a bucket and if a bucket is full of water, and, but there are holes in the bucket at different layers, the level of the water in, it, in the bucket of God's calling in our life will only be as high as the lowest hole in the bucket because the water will seep out. And so all of these seven issues. So one of the issues is faith, literally reliance. It's a developing a confidence that God is always at work around me. He hasn't stopped. He hasn't stopped calling me. He hasn't stopped us wanting to work. So we're going to spend a whole week on what is that type of faith. Next is this personal relationship where God uh, invites us here and we have an ability to hear and respond because it's personal. He's making it real in my life. It's not a theoretical God. I haven't read a book about this. This is Him communicating with me and He has a heart to do that. The third one is invitation. And you'll notice I'm not putting these up on slides because I don't want you to not come for the next seven weeks and miss out on that. Uh, invitation, where a sense that He's, he's drawing me in to cooperate with God's purpose. Next is guidance, that He will guide, will hear through Scripture, through the Spirit, through God's people, uh, and sometimes through circumstance. And how do, we, how do we measure all that? How do we take that into account? Then the, the difficult one if we're actually living by faith in relationship, we hear the invitation, there's this thing we call the crisis of belief, a crisis of faith. And all of God's people who go on these journeys will, near that wall, will experience this crisis of belief where all the doubts come up because there's a radical requirement for us to partake in faith and obedience. That leads to the next one, which is a change of lifestyle. If we're gonna follow this calling, we get through the crisis of faith, there's gonna have to be some change in our life and we need to adjust our life to fit God's plan, not have him fit our plan and accommodate his calling to fit the life that we're happy to have created. That takes faith. Finally, partnering, that we're knowing and we're experiencing, we're living in that promised land experience where it's not God working for us, it's God working with us. This whole partnership aspect. So these seven realities to that experience, they're not always sequential, but they are always there. And not every burning bush we're going to discover ends the way we think. The burning bush was a command, it was an invitation, but not every burning bush experience results in the Hebrews being released into their promised land. The rich young ruler that Jesus spoke to, he was, he was given a burning bush experience when he said, Jesus, what do I have to do? You know? But the price seemed too high. He couldn't change his life and it was too radical a call. And so he went away sad. Some are called to our radical faith and our fear constrains us. Look at Peter walking on water. He was called to do it and yet he still, he still sank in the end. Most of uh, the people Moses brought out, only two entered the promised land. So, that it requires cooperation of faith. So, as we wrap up today, I'm just wondering do you have a sense that you're stuck in a spiritual loop and have been for some time now? Probably afraid, traumatized, it's too painful, life has been too hard, and you don't want to go back there, and yet you're made for something. It may be as simple as you're made for relationship, intimate relationship, and you've been too hurt too many times to ever want to go back there again. It might be ministry in church, it might be a job opportunity. It might be restoring a relationship with family and you know, and God keeps bringing it up and the voice gets softer and softer, but he will never relent because His calling on your life is irrevocable. But perhaps you've found yourself in that loop and you've said, well, I'm older now, surely it doesn't apply. It still applies. And uh, as we started this church, I had the same argument four years ago with God that uh, this rooster's not in the mood or the age to be planting a church. And he just sits there and nods. Get on with it. And look at what God's done. And none of you are here because I'm an amazing human being. You're here because God is doing something, and what we're doing is the sort of thing God would be about. And there's never a shortage of the desire for that. And you're designed in your own way, equal level of calling to myself or anyone else, to play just as significant a part in the life that God's given you and the life He wants to lead you into. You really matter. And this loop that we find ourselves in is unacceptable. It's understandable. It's just completely inadequate for the call that's on your life. Let's pray together. Father, we just thank you that you're so much bigger than all the excuses and all the stuff that happens to us. You're always good. You've never done anything to let us down. You've never given us any reason to doubt. Lord, we accept that. It's our side of the equation that does that. So Father, I pray for a spirit of hope among your people that you'd restore the glimmer of that calling and for those who've never really quite been aware of the clarity of calling, that Lord, through this next few weeks, you would make it crystal clear, that you would show us, even if it's just a direction, not a destination. Father, be with us. Our life has no meaning in the absence of us living with you in your calling. It's full, it's even fulfilling sometimes, but in the end, it's not gonna mean a great deal. Lord, help us to agree with you on what matters in our life, amen, amen. Thanks everyone, we're gonna have a lot of fun with this and if you'd like some prayer after the service, please come over to the side, we've got a team there ready to do that. If if I've triggered some things in you and there's some trauma you'd like to to put to bed, come and get received prayer for that. If not, uh, I'll see you in the cafe, bless you.